Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, I'm going to read the first seven verses. The Bible said in verse number 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And here's Elijah here, verse number 3. And when he saw that, he arose, and he went for his life. And he came to Beersheba, uh, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord, Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Verse 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him, and he said to him, Arise and eat. Verse 6. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water in his hand, at his head, and he did eat and drink, and he laid him down again. Verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Father, we thank you for the day that you've gave us. God, we thank you for letting us be at your house tonight to worship you and praise you. And Lord, we can't praise you enough for what you do for us in our life. God, I pray there's one here down and out. God, I pray that you would use them, use this message and touch their life. And God, I pray there's one not saved. God, tonight will be the night to get saved. And Lord, I pray tonight, tonight will be the night that somebody's heart gets revived. And God, we pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Look here at verse number 5. Look at verse number 6. And he looked, and behold... Uh, I'm sorry, look here, uh, look here at verse number 5. And as he lay and slept under a gibber tree, behold, then an angel uh, touched him. I want to preach tonight on allowing God to touch your life. The Bible says the angel of the Lord came and he touched them. Allowing God to touch your life. Now, I want to say number one, Elijah was a man of faith. And I want, I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm going to, you can take some notes if you want to, but I'm going to kind of paraphrase some of this. Elijah was a man of faith. Uh, uh, look here in chapter 17, verse number one. The Bible says, Elijah the Tishbite, who was the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand here, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. He told Ahab that it's not going to rain for three years. Now, verses 3 through 4, God said, Get thee uh, to the brook Cherith, and the ravens are going to feed thee. And you know what Elijah did? Elijah went to the brook. He acted on faith, and he went to that brook. Uh, here in verse number 7, the Bible says the brook had dried up. In verse number 9, he said, Go to Zareph, a widow will sustain thee. You know what Elijah's doing? Elijah's using his faith and he's doing exactly uh, what God had said. Amen. Now I'm going to paraphrase this. Verses 10 through 16, uh, God, there's this little woman and she's got just a little bit of meal and, and that's all that she had. And God used that little bit of meal and oil and this widow, she said, my son's here about to die. Elijah says, he says, fear not. This same man of faith, he said, don't be afraid. God's going to take this and use it. Right. Elijah said, don't fear. 
Elijah was a man of faith. But back here in our text, yet this great man of faith, it said he seems to be turned into fear. Uh, this faith turns into fear. Now, I want to say this. Why did he turn to fear? Why did his faith turn to fear? Now, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but this man Elijah, which had great faith, now is fearful. He's fearful. Now, Paul even said himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. I like verse number 6. The Bible says, Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down. We see Elijah, a man of faith, his faith was turned into fear. Number two, I want to say that Elijah was a man of great victories. Look here in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number 17. Elijah had great faith, but yet he had great victories in his life. Look here at verse number 17. This same woman, the Bible says that it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Verse 18. Here's this great man of faith. Now he's got great victories. And she said to Elijah, What have I to do with thee that thou, O man of God, art coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Verse 19. And he said to her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up in the loft where he abode, and he laid him upon his own bed. Verse number 20. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, Hast thou also brought evil upon this widow with whom I sojourned, slaying her son? Verse 21, here's what I'm after. And he stretched himself upon the child three times, and he cried to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come again. Verse 22, I like this right here. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came in again, and he revived. You know what that was for Elijah? That was a great victory in his life. Uh, that's a great victory. When you can take a little boy that's, that's about to die, and you can say, Arise up and eat, call on the Lord. That's a great victory in his life. You know what it was here? He had victories. He had faith in his life. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to keep you in the same uh, three chapters here. 1 Kings chapter 18. Now remember, at this time it had not rained for three years. Look here at verse number uh, 19 of chapter 18. <clears throat> the Bible says, Now therefore send and gather me all of Israel to Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of Groves 400, which, which eat at Jezebel's table. So here I'm paraphrasing this, but Elijah said, uh, go get them all, bring them all to Mount Carmel. Now, what's going to take place here? Uh, you all know the story, but all these prophets, uh, they was going to call fire down from heaven, and these prophets of Baal, they cried up to noon. You know what happened? Nothing happened. And that's the way the God of this world is. They cry and they cry and cry and nothing happens. And you know what Elijah did? Elijah mocked I'm going to let you study this. But Elijah mocked him. He said, cry louder. Uh, cry louder. Why, where's the fire at? And, uh, and just so many words. You know what happened? 
Elijah prayed this short prayer, and you know what happened? The fire came down. And you know what that was for Elijah? That was a great victory in his life. And, and if you look back in your life, there'll be some times, maybe short, maybe long, but there'll be times in your life where God's giving you great victory, and it seems like the fire of God's filling your life. It might be in a church service. Uh, for me, I've had some driving down the road, and, and it seemed like the fire of God will fall, and, and the Lord touched my life. There's nothing greater in my life than to see the fire of God fall in my life. Uh, I, that's what I long for. That's what I desire, and I pray that you have. This man of great victories. But you know what happened? It seems now all of his victories has turned into vanity in chapter 19. He's had great faith, but now it's turned into fear. He's had great victories, but you know what happens? It's turned into vanities. I'm going somewhere, just stay with me. And I want to say this, he was a man of courage by way of opening number three. He was a man of courage. Look at chapter 17 and verse number one. This great man Elijah, chapter 17 and verse number one. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, by whom I stand, there shall not do nor reign uh, these years, but according to my word. You know what he did? He confronted Ahab. Now it says Ahab was 22 years in his reign. This great and mighty king Ahab, and you know what Elijah did? He got some courage built up. He did what God said, and he went and he faced uh, Ahab. This same chapter 18, you know what happened? All those prophets of Baal. You know what? Sometimes I get fearful for one person in my life. I get fearful and I don't have the courage to say something to them. But here Elijah is. All these prophets, uh, 450 prophets of Baal. You know what Elijah did? Elijah confronts them. You say, what is that? That's a man with great courage. And, and so many times we get caught up on one a little person that confronts us. Now it says, yet his courage seems to be turned into cowardice in, in verse number 3 of 19. Let's go to our text here in 1 uh, Kings chapter 19, verse number 3. See this man with great victories, uh, this man of great courage is turned into cowardice. Now I want to say this, uh, in John uh, chapter 18, verse number 10, uh, Peter, I taught on this this morning, but Peter, you know what happened? He was in that garden, and here he cuts a man's ear off. Uh, Peter's got great courage, but yet in the same chapter, he's denying the Lord. You see what happens in a person's life? You can have great faith, you can have great victories and great courage, but sometimes in life it seems like it turns into cowardice. Now you may find yourself like this. Uh, if you're a Christian of any length of time, you found yourself in this position when it seems like the victories don't mean nothing and, and it seems like the faith that you've got is, is down to nothing and, and the courage that you once had uh, when you first got saved, it's down to nothing. Why? Because of the enemy that's around us. The opposing enemy was facing Elijah. Look here at verse number 3. 1 Kings chapter 19. Now always says all this because of one woman. It could be a man in your life. could be a woman. But somebody's out there to steal your joy away. Now I want to say why did he get to this place? Look here at verse number 3. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse number 3. The Bible says, and when he saw, Elijah went from using his great faith, now he's using his eyesight. Right. You know what's going to get you in trouble? It's your eyesight. Right. Uh, we're supposed to go by faith and not by feelings. Right. But Elijah, he began to saw what Jezebel was trying to do here. 
Look here, verse 3 and 4. And when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah. Here's what I'm after. And he left his servant there, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Now Elijah, he had this servant, and he said, Servant, you stay here. Uh, he wanted to be all alone. And you know when you find yourself in trouble is when you're alone. That's when the devil wants to get to you. Uh, you know what he needed? He needed his servant right there beside him. And, and you know what's important? We need I, need, I need you, Brother David. I need you, Brother Jason. We need to be surrounded by good people. But Elijah, he began to see things. And he left his servant there, and he was all alone in the wilderness. And I will say this, he's in bad shape right now. He said, I just wish we'd go ahead and die. He's in bad shape. He's all alone. He's not asking for one spiritual thing in his life. He's in bad shape. He's going into the wilderness. Now, in the, in the Bible, the wilderness is a picture of the world. But I want to say this, even in all this, God seemed fit to come by His way. Even in all of this going on, God says, I'm going to go by there and see Elijah. He's all alone. He's ready to give up. And Lord said, I just need to come on by and see him. Now I want to say, look here in verse number 5. The Bible says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him, and he said, Arise and eat. You know what happens when, when it gets that way? The Lord wants to come by and He wants to touch your life. Why? Because He's going to do a great things. The one says this is not the first time the Lord has touched someone's life. Over there in Genesis chapter 32, there was a man named Jacob. And the Bible says that he was a deceiver. He was not worthy. He's not worthy of nothing. He's a deceiver. He deserves hell. But you know what happened here? The Lord one night came and He touched Jacob. And the Bible says that Jacob, he walked different. He had a different walk about him after that. Why? Why? Because the Lord touched him. And I remember the, the day that the Lord come by. is in bad shape. Lost on my way to hell. But the Lord, uh, He wanted to touch my life. And I want to say this, uh, God's in the touching business. God wants to touch you tonight. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 2, there was a leper. This leper came worshiping the Lord, and he said, If thou wilt, thou can make me whole. And verse number 3 of Matthew chapter 8, Jesus put forth his hands, and he touched him. And you know what he said? Uh, he said, immediately he was clean. And it seems like the Lord loves touching things. And I'm glad He likes to touch me every once in a while. See, I, I wish I had it all the time, but the Lord sometimes will see fit to touch you. Now, I'm this next one, a lot, of the, a lot of the men don't like this chapter. But in Matthew chapter 8, verse number 14, the Bible says that Jesus came into Peter's house. And here's what they don't like. His mother-in-law laid there sick. And uh, a lot of men don't like this, but, but I want to say I don't have no problem with this. I want to say I love my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. I love everybody. But the Bible said that his mother-in-law laid there sick with a fever. And look here in verse number 15. The Bible says he touched her hand. And, he, and you know what happened? The fever left. You know what his mother-in-law needed? She needed a touch from the Lord. And, and, and you know what? The Lord, He wants to touch your life. He wants to touch everyone's life. And uh, I remember several years ago, uh, we was living in northern Kentucky. And uh, I don't know if y'all know Tina or know her signature or anything, but we got a call one night and uh, she is in bad shape. 
You know what we needed? Uh, me and Jen and the kids, we got everybody together. We was all crying and praying. And I prayed that prayer. I said, Lord, you touched Peter's mother-in-law. Surely you can touch mine. And you know what it is? The, that's, I don't know if that's been five, six years ago. But you know what the Lord did? The Lord touched her life. And, and you ought to be thankful for that. But God's in the touching business. You know what? He wants to touch your marriage. He wants to put a touch of God in your marriage. You know what? That's what we, need? we need great families in America today with the touch of God in their life. Uh, you know what we need? We need uh, children with the touch of God. Uh, and I think about my kids. I don't care if they're doctors, lawyers, or construction workers. I want them to have the touch of God in their life. That's my greatest desire as a parent. Uh, it's not that they make a bunch of money. I want God to touch their life. And uh, I try to talk to them. I try to encourage them. I say, kids, let God touch your life. And uh, we need the touch of God in our life. Uh, you know what happens in a crisis? We need the touch of God. Uh, I think about Tom Malone. I was, you may know Tom Malone. I was listening to Tom Malone, and uh, he went off to Bible college, and he got a phone call one day from his mother, and uh, his mother was real bad sick, and, and Tom Malone said, I'm, I'm quitting the Bible college. I'm going home to see Mama. And he got up there and he went to see Mama and his Mama began to pray for him. He, she said, son, get back down there to Bible college. That's where you need to be at. But he said he remembered hearing his Mama pray. And you know what that did? That touched Tom Malone's life. And uh, I remember as a little child, you know what I needed when I was sick? I wanted the touch of my mother. Uh, I wanted that my mother, there's something special about the touch of a mother. I don't care if you're rotten or no good. That mother, she's going to love you. Even when you, don't, even when you talk bad to her, she's going to touch you. She's going to say, hang in there, son. You need to go on a little further. God wants to touch your life. Uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, Jack Tripp, he's a preacher. Uh, he went to hear Ralph Sexton Jr. preach, and, and Brother Jack was sitting there, and the uh, Bible said, uh, not the Bible said, but Brother Jack Tripp was listening to Ralph Sexton Jr. preach, and uh, this woman right beside Jack Tripp, uh, she began to pray, and, and he just said the, the fire of God fell on this woman, and he said, ma'am, do you pray for all preachers? She said, I do that one. That's my son preaching. And, and she said, are you a preacher? Jack Tripp said, yes. And uh, she got down there and she said, get down here on the floor. And Brother Jack Tripp got down there and this woman laid hands on Jack Tripp and began to pray. And he said, the fire of God fell in there. Why? Because the touch of a loving mother that wanted to worship the Lord. And I want to say this, if a mother can touch somebody like that, I wonder what the God of heaven can do if He wants to touch your life. We need the touch of God in our life. I want to give you four or five things real quick on what this touch did for Elijah. Look back at our text in 1 Kings chapter 19. What did this touch do for Elijah? Look at verse number 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him, and he said, Arise and eat. I want to say, number one, a touch of God over revive your life. What does that mean? It means to cover a new life or vigor. It means to renew the mind or memory. It means to quicken. You know what the touch of God did for his life? It revived his life. Uh, it revived him. In Genesis chapter 45, the Bible says, When Jacob saw the wagons, the Bible says the Spirit 
of Jacob their father, it revived him. So you know what the touch of God will do? It will revive your life. Amen. You'll go from being down in the dumps to being on fire for the Lord. And you know what great preaching will do? It will cause you to want to have a spirit of revival. Number two, it will bring you the resources needed in life. Look here at verse number six. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake of baking of the coals and a cruise of water in his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. You know what it was? He uh, had the resource that he needed. He had food and water. He, and that's the thing about I like living with my in-laws is I've got coffee, I've got food, I've got supper, I've got water. Yeah, the sheriff, they're going to have to come evict us out of that house. We might not ever move out. Uh, they're going, I'm going to get a notice one day from the sheriff that says, Glenn and Tina Moore want you out of their house. They're going to have to drag me. Why? Because I've got food, I've got water. You know what you need if you're down and out tonight? You need the Lord to touch your life and give you the resources needed to go on. Look here in verse number 8. The Bible says, And he arose and did eat and drink, and he went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights. On one meal, uh, the Lord touched his life. He went 40 days and 40 nights. You know what that does for me? That makes me excited. If God will touch my life one time, I can go a long time uh, with that. He gives you the resources that every uh, one needs. Uh, look here, third of all. I want to say, look at verse number 7. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time, and he touched him. I like that. The Lord touches over and over and over. He touches the second time and He said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. What does the touch of God do? It redirects your life. Elijah said, I'm ready to give up. I'm done for it. But the Lord come by and touched him and He said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great. Once Elijah wanted to die, but now the Lord said, You've got a journey in your life. Look here at verse number 11. The Bible said, He said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains, and he broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Look here at verse number 12. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Here's what I'm after. And after the fire, a still, small voice. You know what the Lord wants to do when He touches you? Sometimes there will just be a still, small voice. The Lord will redirect uh, your path. But last of all, I want to say this, it will re-enlist your life. Look here at verse number 15. Once Elijah was done, but now he's got new orders. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. You know what it is? He was re-enlisted to fight for the Lord. Look at verse 16. And then Jehu, the son of Nemesheth, shall anoint uh, to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Sapet, of Emelech, shall thou anoint to be the prophet in thy room. Verse 17. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall uh, Jehu slay. And him that escaped from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. You know what he was? He was re-enlisted in the battle. I want to say this, coming to a close, we need God to touch our life. 
We need to go to every single day. We need the touch of God. Look here at verse number 4. Look here at verse number 4 of chapter 19. Watch what he says here. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a juniper tree, and requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Now the Lord didn't ask him to be better than his father's. He just asked him to be obedient. And I think sometimes uh, uh, we get caught up in looking at somebody else's life and we say, I can't be like that. And uh, I can't be like Brother Zeke. And I can't be like Brother James. But you know what I need to be? I just need to be obedient. And uh, I think about, uh, I think the Henderson sisters have sung here before, hadn't they? I remember the first time I, I heard them sing, and uh, I'll be honest with you, they walked in, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm just being honest here, I'm thinking, I said, these people are singing tonight, I said, you've got to be kidding me. And I, when old sister Patsy walked up there and sang, and she began to sing, you know what she had? She had the touch of God in her life, and uh, she would always stand about right here, in the church I was at up there, I sat right here, and, and she'd get to singing, and she'd get going like that, and I'm telling you, I've got goosebumps all over me, and, and you know, Sister Pat, she'd get to singing, and she'd come by, and she'd do like that, and it'd make me want to fall on the ground. You know what? She had the touch of God in her life, and, and you know what the Lord wants to do? The Lord wants to put that touch in your life, and uh, as a preacher, that's what I desire, is to have the touch of God in my life. Now I want to say this, uh, ask that question here, verse number 13, coming to a close. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood entering into the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And I think it would be good for us to ask us that question, What are you doing here in this shape? If you're dried up and bitter... You know, that's a good question. What am I doing here? And I found myself in that shape before, uh, bitter and dried up. Ask yourself, what am I doing here? He wants to touch my life as we stand and sing.